Healing can happen when people share their stories. Welcome to Trauma, Trial, and Transformation. Discover true stories from those who were called to sit in the witness chair. Experience their journey through their legal process and beyond. This podcast brings to light the trauma and stress caused by testifying under oath and offers resources by talking with witnesses, key litigators, and mental wellness professionals to assist with different approaches one can utilize to prepare to take the stand and how to heal after the encounter. And now, here's your host, Juliet Huck. Good morning. Welcome to Trauma Trial and Transformation. A little bit of overcast in Los Angeles today, but we got a break from the rain. But we will take rain whenever we can get it. I'm super excited today. I've got my guest, which is hard to call her my guest because she's been a friend of mine for over 30 years. It's just so great that people are coming out of the woodwork to support my podcast. And this is a very dear friend of mine who I have so much respect for her experience. Dr. Stephanie Mage uh, is a chiropractor, author, podcast host, international speaker, and has been practicing for over 20 years. Gosh, it's been 20 years, huh? Since 1996, Dr. Mage has run a family-oriented wellness practice in Chicago where she specializes in pediatrics, pregnancy, family, and wellness care. She's a bachelor in science in clinical nutrition and a doctorate in chiropractic. Dr. Mage is the president of the Royal Knights of Chiropractic Roundtable and a member of the League of Chiropractic Women, International Chiropractic Pediatric Association, and the World Congress of Chiropractic Women. Here's a mouthful for me. Thank you. January <laughs> of 2016, she uh, launched her own podcast, Women Seeking Wellness, focusing on the real story of how to be well at any age, which we could all use that. And in short, in that short time that she had the podcast, it really jumped up to number one on iTunes and uh, Noteworthy. Inspired by a chiropractic mission, she participated in both the Dominican Republic and Haiti. Dr. Mage has increased her own mission work right in her hometown of Chicago. And she's volunteered her time at the Night Ministry as a homeless organization where she adjusts homeless youth in the streets as well as her local shelter. She's also, that just keeps racking up, she also <laughs> is uh, in her second edition of her book, You Can Be Well, which discusses the five vital steps of wellness. I am over the moon to welcome my friend, Stephanie Mage, Dr. Stephanie Mage. Let me be clear on that. That's going to be a little hard for me today, but we'll get there. <laughs> so, we'll get there. Yeah. Juliet, thank you so much for having me on the show. Are you kidding? Oh. It is. It, all that is a mouthful. I, it makes me feel old because I have <laughs> accomplished some things. You have since, accomplished some things. I since our it. college days. <laughs> right? It's been a minute. Well, it's been a I'm just proud and proud of you. It's been a privilege to be your friend and watch us grow and watch you grow. And you've just done some, you're just an amazing healer. So I'm going to jump right in. Um, what made you choose chiropractic over traditional medicine? Well, I mean, that's a great question. And it's something that I know that you of anybody could understand where it was, you know, I was pre-med. I always wanted to be a pediatrician and yet, you know, it, it, even at a young age when I would really not say that I had a very good amount of like self-knowledge, um, I just knew that whenever I thought about being a medical doctor, there was just some 
resistance, internal, external. It just didn't, it just didn't resonate. And so I went off and did not went pre-med, but I did not go to medical school. And for a year and a half, I worked in an environmental lab and I thought, I'm 24 years old and I hate my job. This can't happen. (laughs) (laughs) This is not how life is supposed to be. And uh, at the same time, you know, the universe put a nice whiplash from a car accident in my path. And I got into a car accident, went to a very young, passionate chiropractor. And I was just like, all right, this is amazing. And that is really what led me to chiropractic in a way that I didn't even know was like, I I think it picked me rather than me picking it. Interesting. So, you know, Mm -hmm. I'm excited to say that I watched you go through chiropractic school. You sat right on my porch in Cleveland, Ohio and said, I'm going to (laughs) Chicago. I'm going to chiropractic school. And watching you go through that process definitely helped me become such a believer. And I mean, just being your um, guinea pig at times, I, I, I it changed my <laughs> life, which we're going to talk about here. But um, but I know I, I loved something that you have on your website that says, you know, our purpose at Community Chiropractic is get you well by finding nerve interference, causing health problems, and removing the interference with gentle chiropractic mm-hmm. adjustments. I, I love your wording here. But the big thing I really love is, you know, uh, within that, you says our passion is to educate our patients and encouraging them to help us on our mission to check as many people as possible for hidden health problems and save them from life, drugs, and surgery. I just, I I love that. Can you speak to that? Well, I mean, absolutely. I, I, I think that one of the biggest misconceptions about chiropractic is that it's about the the vertebrae, the spine, really mm-hmm. chiropractic is about the nervous system that, that your, and your nervous system, if you really think about it, okay, I'm going to get a little philosophical here, but if you really think Excellent. about it without your nervous system, we're talking about your uh, central nervous system being your brain, your spinal cord, and then all the nerves that come out and run everything. Really, that is your consciousness. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so Without your consciousness, you're brain dead, right? Mm -hmm. You could have the healthiest body in the world. So every aspect of our bodies are really meant to supply our nervous system with Mm -hmm. what it needs to be human. You know, that is what, you know, we're going to be talking a lot about executive Mm -hmm. function and talking a lot about, you know, the prefrontal cortex. Like this is Mm -hmm. the stuff that separates you know, us from monkeys. (laughs) And that's what chiropractic does. I mean, we, you know, way back when, I mean, if you think about the world in the 1600s, in the 1700s, in the 1800s, I mean, the changes were in our thought processes, you know, from where, you know, we thought the world was flat and then we thought the world, you know, was round that stuff. But really like the way people live their lives didn't really change that much. Mm -hmm. And then the industrial revolution hit. And then the computers hit. And it's just like, we don't live in any way, shape, or form like our predecessors. Mm -hmm. And chiropractic came on the scene. And that really, I I believe, is, you know, one of the beauties of what we do is we help heal the nervous system from this, right now, from this onslaught of either information or, you know, we're going to be talking about uh, trauma, but mm-hmm. also just repetitive things that we do in our lives that, you know, we were, 
not used to doing. <laughs> let's, uh, let's jump into trauma. So um, I know you lecture on the healing effects of chiropractic and trauma. So let's, let's talk about the two, the things I like to look at, at least on, there's two different types of trauma. Um, you deal with the physical trauma, but you also see the causes of emotional trauma. Like how are they linked or are they separate or how, how do you see emotional, physical trauma connected? Right. Well, I, uh, in chiropractic, they talk about the three T's, traumas, thoughts, and toxins. And really there's chemical trauma that can happen to the body as well. Um, you see that in, you know, people that have lived in uh, environments where the chemicals have traumatized their body in some way mm -hmm. um, and aren't injured them. For me, it's, they're, they're interconnected. You know, the, you can't, I always say to people, have you ever been nervous? And they're like, well, yeah. And they're like, well, what happens to you when you're nervous? Well, I get a, you know, I get a stomach ache. I have a little diarrhea. That's the brain body connection, right? Mm -hmm. That's your emotions creating a symptom in your body. I really believe that 70% of, of what I see is emotional. Everybody comes to mm -hmm. me saying, I didn't, I don't know what I did. I didn't lift a box. And I'm like, you know, I just had this happen. And then they're like, oh yeah, well, my best friend died last week or, you know what I mean? That kind yeah. of thing that, you know, it can be a one shot deal trauma or it could be drip, 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 like a slow process of trauma over time. Interesting. So, so when someone goes through a traumatic event, let's say those who experienced the Pulse nightclub shooting in Orlando, Florida, I want, I wanted right. to talk to you a little bit about this today because it falls into the category of the podcast trauma trial transformation where someone has experienced trauma. Um, so two questions I have for you, does that get stored in the body? And then how does it get stored? And we'll talk about the healing and later, but someone went through such a traumatic scenario like that. How does that get stored physically in the body? Like from a scientific perspective. So anybody listening to this podcast knows a little bit about fight or flight, right? So there's two parts of our nervous system. There's the sympathetic part, which is the fight, flight, freeze, flee. And then there's the parasympathetic, which is rest and digest. That's the one that, you know, your digestion, your reproduction, all of that. Well, when a traumatic event happens, it can trigger an intense fight or flight reaction. And so what happens physiologically is that your body shunts the blood flow off to the organs and it sends it to your extremities. So this is an old run from the lion, lift the car off the baby kind of situation. But what it also does is it does something to your brain. So what it does in your brain is it weakens this area of your brain called your prefrontal cortex, which is mm. what they call executive function, which is what mm -hmm. gives you complex thought, which gives you reasoning, gives you all the grays in the world. You can see all the different grays in the world rather than everything being black and white. 
But what happens is that gets weakened and you you trigger what's another thing called your limbic system. And that gets you into very black and white thinking. Stop, go, left, right, up, down, you know, bad, good. Mm-hmm. And and that strengthens this part of your brain called the amygdala. And that when the amygdala is high, there's a whole cascade of hormones you don't want to know about. Uh, but when that <laughs> when that happens over time, you know, that can affect, you know, your, uh, it switches you into that survival mode. And so what happens is it, the language and speech centers get shunted and they get repressed. Long-term memory gets repressed. So it does a lot of different things and it can be stored in the tissues of your body, you know, muscle memory kind of situations. Oh, so you went right into something I was going to ask you about. So, so can you actually have emotional muscle memory or just physical muscle memory? Oh, yeah. You can have emotional muscle memory for sure. And it's interesting, my massage therapist, I was just talking about this yesterday in my clinic with uh, a therapist that is in the office and she was, she's a patient and uh, she was saying how the last massage therapist that we had, I mean, she would just have people have, she'd be working on them and they would just break down all like weekly, you know, from the work. She was a very deep massage therapist and uh, there's just a lot of stuff stored in our cellular body. Yeah, it's, it's amazing, isn't it? I, I still find it so amazing that trauma gets stored over time, it can build into sickness. And it's like so hard, I think, for most people to just even kind of comprehend that that kind of event or emotion Mm -hmm. can actually transpire in or transcend into something else that becomes physical. And it's just, I'm such a believer in it. But, um, but I, I love your explanation, because it's, it's true. Right. And don't believe just me. There's yeah. a there's a book. The book that I I really recommend for people if they really want to get to know a little bit more. It's called The Body Keeps Score, mm. and uh, that book talks at length about some of the stuff that I'm you know we're going to talk about here. It's oh, really um, great, but it does. And one of the other things that trauma, PTSD, which is you know. Uh, I think initially what the first kind of, I don't know, I've been doing this for a long time. The first time you started to ever hear about anything traumatic was PTSD, mm-hmm. post-traumatic stress mm-hmm. disorder. Disorder, yep. And now they it's a more pervasive, trauma is more pervasive, and they, they don't always link everything to PTSD. That being said, PTSD creates also a hypervigilance in people. So if you, you know, if you... Um, are around somebody that's the, their anxiety is, you know, in the red or, you know, they have that kind of hypervigilance where you're like, chill. Out. They mm-hmm. might, they might be somebody that's, that's has trauma stuck in their body from something that happened at some point in their lives. Mm-hmm. Well, I've learned that about myself. I mean, I, I had no idea how much trauma I had stuck in my body until I really started exploring it and, you know, chiropractic to therapy to, to medication. I mean, it's just, you know, I, I'm just a big believer in mind, body, spirit, right? And so, um, but so let's step a little bit into like, so what happens when a person, so let's say somebody did have to go through the this horrible situation in Orlando, and now they're being called to testify, and they have to relive that trauma. Um, does it 
build on top of it? Does it is it come into another arena? How how does that happen when you know they need to like relive it? Well, yeah. I mean, my guess is they're probably in a situation like that. They probably are reliving it in their dreams. Uh, they're probably having memories or flashes. So the thought of having to go not only, you know, other than death, fear of public speaking is number two in the fear list, right? Oh, really? And so to, oh yeah, death and then public speaking. That's, oh my gosh. That's number set, the second most feared thing in the world. So wow. imagine you're, you let's public speak about one of the, the most traumatic event of your life. Right. Heck yeah, you're going to feel more trauma from that. And like what what we're talking about with this limbic system, with this prefrontal cortex, the thing that gets that that happens is the speech centers get repressed. So you can freeze and uh it it absolutely has to affect somebody's ability to testify on on the stand. Well, I was just going to say, so you've hit a really great subject because one of the things that, of course, everybody tries to take advantage of is someone's demeanor on the stand, right? So, you know, they're not telling the truth or they're too, you know, they think it's stoic and they don't really have any feelings. And I mean, I watched that through a couple murder trials, which I've been deeply involved in where, you know, something else is happening besides the fact that the person's not saying anything because they're, they're in this different place like they're like you're talking about in the unable to speak unable to um really remember so they get judged on this moment which to me has always been so unfair um but that's what most people see i guess on the front side so but how does how does trauma really affect like the memory so if someone's actually coming from a traumatic situation and they're on the stand and they can't remember that doesn't necessarily mean they're not telling the truth right it's just there's a memory issue here with trauma correct Absolutely. What happens when, again, this amygdala, amygdala easy for me to say, goes out of, out of whack, <laughs> where it just f- super fires, is that your ability to process those memories goes away. So, so there isn't the ability to remember. So that's right. why, as, as you know, because you're an expert at, at what you do, eyewitness accounts are not always right. the best, right? Well, that's that's actually 70% can be wrong. Right. A high percentage. So not only are they filtering it through what we're talking about, they're also filtering it through their own perception of what things are. So I always think that too with with somebody that, you know, they're like, oh, look at how they responded to this event. It's like, you have no idea what's going on on the inside. You know, people have a public... public facing front and then and then then internally they have their own experience and so what is that that you never know what there's some famous quote you never know what battles people are fighting so be kind right and it's it's also you know I, i i go back to just my own childhood trauma and how like my brother and i completely have different memories we completely have different experiences even though we went through the exact same thing at the exact same time going through the process, you know, as we become adults. And so that's why I look at people that have to testify and get on the stand. It's just so hard because you they want to put you with, I've talked about before, they want to put you in a non-emotional setting in a very emotional 
subject. And yet your wires have to get crossed somewhere because you're fighting, not holding back emotion, but it's a traumatic situation that's very emotional in a don't be emotional setting. It's just always been so right. confusing to me, right? Well, and also like people get ashamed, right. that, that shame response. So when you have that you know, everybody knows that feeling, that wash of shame where you get clammy and you're like, yeah. and and that can be happening as right. somebody is up there stumbling through their words because they're like, I sound like an idiot, but really what's happening is their neuro- neurology is just screwing them up, you uh-huh. know? Yeah, that's, that's, I'm glad to hear you say that because I've always believed that, but I'm not a doctor to talk in that world. So it's a I'm super excited. So, so let's let's move to the to the subject of transformation and healing. So, um, you know, what what do you say to people who are scared around the concept of chiropractic? You know, it's like I I just for my own family members at times like oh, I don't know I couldn't do that and you know I I try I'm the first one to put my hand up to say it's completely changed my life, my anxiety, my depression. Um, what how do you talk to people about that? Well, uh, one of my favorite, not really favorite, but favorite lines <laughs> is, why well, I don't believe in that. I'm like, well, for one, it's not a religion, right? It is, there is, this is science. And so, you know, the other thing is, is that there's, there's more than one way to do it. So, so a lot of times, well, I have a pediatric practice, so mm-hmm. I'm talking to parents the first thing I say is, have you ever been adjusted? Yeah, I'll never do that on your baby. Um, because, you know, it, there are many different ways to calm the nervous system. So that's where the transformation comes in healing the nervous system mm-hmm. of, in chiropractic terms, we call this a subluxation. What, what that means is, is that something caused an irritation in the nerve. Again, trauma, mm-hmm thoughts, toxins, you know, mm-hmm. so, uh, and that's in a basic, you know, way we explain it. And then that created a cascade of effects because that nerve is running things. That's mm-hmm. what people have to remember. They're, that nerve is running your body. Nerves are your wires. So if you've ever had your arm fall asleep, guess what? Your arm, you know, doesn't want to move. Right, no and nerves. then as you... As you move, you can feel it. So, so anything that calms the nervous system. What one of the things that's the most talked about uh, is vagal tone. So your vagus nerve, V A G U S, not the town, is what in charge of all the organs of your body. Hmm. Uh, it, it is literally your parasympathetic nervous system that it is what rests and digests and all of that. And it comes out right between your head and your neck. And so when that, when stress happens, when something happens, it can affect your vagal tone. And so that when that vagus isn't working right, your body isn't working right. So this is where some of this stuff can affect how your body is running. So and how do you heal that? How, how do you work on healing that? So, so there's a couple different ways. There's many different ways. So as far as chiropractic goes, what we're looking for is how can we, you know, if there's something stuck or not moving properly in the spine, then we can get in and gently, either with like a little instrument that feels like nothing mm-hmm. or with old, good old fashioned chiropractic adjustments, what you would think about, mm-hmm. you know, get, getting movement in areas in the safest possible way but effective. I mean, Mm -hmm. the reason I wrote my book 
you can be well is because there's a million wellness books out there, but I don't know any that are, that are talking about removing nerve interference mm-hmm. as part of being well. And I personally don't think you can be well unless you have a nervous system that is functioning properly. And so chiropractic is one of those ways, but there's also different kinds of breathing techniques and meditation and exercise and art therapy and talk therapy and, you know, yoga and all a lot of different ways to heal. You know, it, I always recommend that you really try, if you're finding practitioners, you really try to ask them if they're trauma informed, meaning mm-hmm. do they, do they really even get the effects of trauma mm-hmm. on the body or is this, are they, you know, you hear that, you hear that all the time. They, you know, oh, they thought I was making it up. Oh, you're a hypochondriac, right? Mm-hmm. So you want to have some, some, somebody that's compassionate. You might need to shop around a little bit because medicine can be hard. Mm-hmm. I say the same thing about lawyers, you know, <laughs> but seriously, I mean, do you, do you have a lawyer yeah. that's trauma informed because lawyers are not, mm-hmm. you know, they're not uh, adept to trauma. They're not adept to dealing with it. It's, um, you know, hello, testify goodbye. I mean, it's basically, right you know, what the effects of a human being and what it does. And that's the whole point of this podcast is to start bringing awareness to the fact of um, how can someone get help pre, during, and right. post, not just, right. you know, at one point. So speaking of that, like, um, what would you talk about? Like, so l- would you sit down with somebody who like, let's say they testified and how would you help them heal? Well, I mean, you, you have to remember there's, there's a, you know, if they're testifying, there's the, again, the testimony and then the, also the, what ha- caused them to have to testify, whatever the incident or whatever mm-hmm. the thing is. Seed. So what, yeah. So what's popping into my brain right now is, is that if there's somebody that is uh, like metric oriented, you know, so somebody that likes a Fitbit that counts steps, somebody likes, you know, stuff like that. There, there's uh, one measurement. It's called your heart rate variability, and what that means is that if you have sixty beats of your heart in a minute, you want them to be variable. You don't want one every second. That is is a is a not a good thing. And the more variable, the more adaptable your body is. And so that is a metric that you can measure to see the effects of what you're doing. And so there's, I have something called a whoop. They have those rings that you put mm-hmm. on your middle finger mm-hmm. that measure that. And that, and heart rate variability is a huge thing. So as you, you know, it's a metric to show you ways that are working in our, like today I worked out, I play pickleball because I'm obsessed. I love it. Like everybody. I love it. And, uh, <laughs> and, and I've learned over time that, that exercise is, ju- is about exertion, but it's also about recovery. Mm-hmm. Right. And so if I'm not recovering from the exercise, then I'm not moving forward. I'm actually damaging myself. Mm. And so one of the ways they found that is through this, you know, measurement of heart rate variability. And so things that increase your heart rate variability are chiropractic adjustments. Absolutely. You know, uh, vagal breathing, Mm -hmm. biofeedback, um, you know, uh, exercise, like I said, art, you know, talk therapy is wonderful, but art therapy goes past those linguistic areas Mm -hmm. And allow some space for healing in a way that, you know, maybe talking about it won't. 
Right. I've got an art therapist actually in the lineup that I'm, you know, an equestrian therapist, an art therapist. There's just so many. I just feel like healing too is such a thumbprint, right? I mean, you're looking at each scenario, like you said, kind of the seed of what's happened. Then they have to get on the stand, testify, either relive it. And then it's it's your own personal experience, your own personal physiology, your own, you know, so that's why I don't think it's to, to come in and, uh, on a podcast and talk about one way to heal. It's just impossible, right? I mean, you've got to right. look at it all. There's so many different ways. I just think it's got, you got to find the right thing for you when you say. Right. I mean, I, anybody that says my way is the only way, you know, yeah. run yeah. for the hills. <laughs> right. So do you think chiropractic can help depression? Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, know I have a lot of people that will say, you know, this is so weird, but I feel so much happier. You know, <laughs> they're, they've shown that 30 days of chronic pain causes a, a, a depression in your body. I mean, that is known. Mm-hmm. If you go to pain clinics, the first thing they'll do mm-hmm. is put you on antidepressants right? because they know that that depression. So it, it happens like I, you know, this one patient of mine, um, I could tell, I could tell the family unit was suffering because mm-hmm. the baby came in. Then a lot of times since, Hey, since I'm bringing my baby, I might as well get adjusted too. Mm-hmm. And so the dad came in and I could tell there's, there's, there's something going on. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I have many doctors in my office, so I don't know. I'm not always the one seeing him. And I just saw him yesterday and he has stopped drinking. He's, all of a sudden, it's like that fight or flight, that that mm-hmm. being stuck with that amygdala overfiring and then everything black and white. Mm-hmm. And uh, all of a sudden, he started to wake up mm-hmm. and started to see, oh, my gosh, I'm missing my this beautiful moment in my family. And, you know, what am I doing? I'm drinking, you know. And he's like, I, I don't think I'm an alcoholic. I just think I got into a bad, mm-hmm. a bad habit of coping with the stress. So mm-hmm. we're we're a way that people cope with their stress. I, yeah. I feel like I'm a pressure valve releaser so that the <laughs> pressure doesn't build up too much. But again, I, I'm not the only, it's a lifestyle. You, there's yeah. many, I mean, therapy is friggin' saved my life, mm-hmm. you know? And uh, I would, I wouldn't, I don't want to live in a world where that isn't possible. You know? Right. Well, I know for me, you know, especially coming back from trial, the first place I went was to my chiropractor because I learned so much from you, you know, now being in LA and you're in Chicago and, you know, the first thing I seeked out was, you know, my, my chiropractor here who I adore and has taught me so much, but it was the first place I would go. I mean, every time I came home from trial because mm-hmm. I'd be gone and traveling and the intensity and it just, uh, I'd go for three and four times, you know, immediately just changed so much for me. So now I can tell when I don't go. I can now I can feel the effects even stronger. So it's right. uh, and the one of the biggest effects of a chiropractic adjustment is to switch you from sympathetic overload to parasympathetic. So one of the things that happens, people will say, Ooh, you got me because I'm all sweaty. And that is if that is that ever happened to you, Julia? Yeah, that has. And so that means that you've shunted, shut off the sympathetic and gotten you into parasympathetic and your sweat glands opened up. And so that clammy feeling is like, chick, chick, that's really what we're going for. What's the definition of those two words? Which one? Clammy? Para, para, no, yeah. <laughs> 
No, um, parasympathetic. I'm totally, totally messing with I you. I, we've been all professional. We I haven't even messed say, with each other. Um, so again, parasympathetic mm-hmm. is the rest and digest. Okay. Right? That's the vagus nerve, the one that, that runs back. all your organs, reproduction, all that. The sympathetic is the fight or flight. So okay. fight, flight, freeze, flee. Okay. I'm a freezer, yeah. actually. Um. I'm not as much a fighter and I'm definitely not a fighter and I'm not really a flighter. I'm a freezer, Mm -hmm. you know? And, um, and anyway, so that, you know, and that's where, again, in parasympathetic, you have high prefrontal cortex, high ability to access memories and language and all that. In sympathetic, you have low that and high amygdala. So everything is that limbic system triggering the black and white thinking, you know, the, um, all the blood goes to your shunts from your, your brain and goes into your arms and legs. So you can run from the lion or dinosaur or wherever, <laughs> whatever the heck that came from way back then. Yeah. That'd be a few things we've run into, I'm sure in our past somewhere. Life. So, <laughs> so I like to, I always ask all my guests or most of my guests, this question when it applies is, is healing a choice? Um, I think that, that on the most basic level, no, I think that our bodies are, uh, designed to have healing mechanisms in them. Okay. And so Mm -hmm. that's where you can see the resilience of the young. And, uh, and yet as we age, or if the stress is beyond the body's ability to adapt, then you start to see that it's that the body, you know, the body can break down the mind, the spirit. And then it's got it. That's one of the reasons I started my podcast is like, as you, as you age, it isn't like, Oh, well I'm screwed. Right. right. It's like, no, you just have to have, have to be more proactive. You got to make better choices about what, uh, what you're eating, what you're thinking, what, how you're moving, all those kind of things. And if you don't, that's a choice. Mm-hmm. And then your body will decay because mm-hmm. it's inertia, you know? Um, and then, but if you do make better choices, then you're adding more positive into the system. You're helping your body to achieve this. It's just at the beginning of your life when you're young, you know, it's like, you're just more resilient. Your, mm-hmm. your, your, your body is more able to adapt to things. Mm-hmm. That's a great answer. Cause that's uh, I get such unique answers for that question. I, I love mm. asking people that question. So it's a, uh, that's cool. So um, I know that you uh, have a new little endeavor and then we're going to wrap up here. So what's, what's going on with that? So kind of in the same regard of what we're talking about, I think, I think that with this pandemic that we're living still through in some way, shape or form, um, I don't think that the need for, mental health is less. I think it's more. Mm-hmm. I think I see it. I, I've held this space in my practice for people uh, for so long. It's been exhausting. I needed help. And uh, and so I partnered. It's a cooperative partnership with this uh, group of physicians and uh, mental health practitioners and functional medicine mm. uh, practitioners to supply. It's called Curious Functional Health. 
And what it is, is it's a three-pronged approach. So it's chiropractic, it's mental health, and then it's functional medicine. And Mm -hmm. functional medicine is what a lot of people do when they take herbs or supplements or diet to, to help like functionally affect their body rather than like in an easy example, it's like, I'm going to do these things to lower my cholesterol rather than just eat like crap and take a statin. Mm-hmm. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. So, so that, so the three of those, I think that people have the, the stress of this has been beyond their body's ability to adapt and they mm-hmm. need more support. And so we're building centers around the country that will help support people. That's great. Um, in their healing. That's so great. It's just, it mm-hmm. seems so like, where's it been? <laughs> you know, I, right. I love that feeling of like, when something comes forward, it's like, where have you been? Why, why have we done this right. before? So, well, I think the shame, mm-hmm. I mean, I think Brene Brown helped a ton, but I think yeah. the shame and I think the, the stigma of mm-hmm. going to therapy yeah. is, um, is, is leaving us, yes. you know, in a lot of ways. Yes. And it's, it's uh, my, myself included to, to go back to my family and say, I was in therapy was not the easiest day. And now it's like, yeah, so I'm a therapist. It's like, you know, there's over time. It's uh, if it makes you happy, it makes you healthy. I think your family's also there to support it. And most, right. most families at least, but I, I just want to say one more thing around that. If sure. you don't mind, sure. my therapist yep. said to me way back when, when I'm on the fence, whether I should be doing this or not, why would you deny yourself something that's going to give you support? That's beautiful. Beautiful. <laughs> it's like, right. Or I mean, what do happy. we spend our money on? Right. We spend our money on a bunch of crap. And so you should like the people that are terminally ill would spend their last cent to get better, yeah. to get well. And it's much easier and cheaper to stay well than to get well. But so many people think it's a luxury to care for themselves. Right. Whereas why are we making this money? What to put it in a bank account to to drive a, a nicer car? Although in LA, you got to drive a nicer car. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, because you live in your car. We're really doing this. Juliet's in her car right now on the one hundred and one. No, no, actually, I'm not. But I agree with you. I mean, it's 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 a place where if and I've kind of changed my philosophy. That if it makes you happy. You know, as Cheryl Crow says, then why is it so bad? You know, it, it, if it makes you happy, let's just stick with it. So, listen, I, I got to wrap it. Um, I just want to thank you so much, Steph. I mean, I I will say Dr. Mage, but I will call you Steph because you are just such a just a coveted human being in my life and have been for so long. And um, I, I love this professional conversation because we we get into these. And I remember the days we would stand in my kitchen and we'd be there till two or three in the morning yeah. talking about the philosophies of change and. And looking right. at life a little differently than our corporate jobs. So, um, well, I wish you the best with this. This is seems to me a logical, you know, evolution of all the work you've done in your personal and uh, and spiritual development, as well as, you know, your expertness in the trial genre. I appreciate that. So, where where would people find you? So you can find me a couple places. If you want to listen to my podcast, it's been on a bit of a pod freeze. I got overdone with uh, COVID, but it is there on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. It's Women Seeking Wellness. Uh, you could also go to drmage.com, drmaj.com, and that would lead you to all my stuff. Excellent. Well, thank you again. And so uh, that said, 
I want to thank all my listeners and uh, not forget that if you know somebody out there that wants to share their story, talk about their healing that has gone through anything with the trial system, the court legal system, please reach out to me at info at juliethuck.com. Thanks for joining me. And remember, go out and spread the love. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for listening to Trauma, Trial, and Transformation. If you want to share your experience as a witness, please forward your information to info at juliethuck.com. For more information on Juliet's 30-year career in the courtroom, visit us at juliethuck.com. There you can find your books, The Equation of Persuasion, and 50 Ways to Get Your Way, available on Amazon. Remember to follow and subscribe to Trauma, Trial, and Transformation wherever you listen to podcasts. The content, opinions, and information shared by the hosts and guests on this podcast are not to be considered professional legal advice or therapeutic counseling. If you need assistance, consult with a licensed attorney or therapist if you are appearing as a witness, experiencing emotional trauma, or are involved in any sensitive legal matters. The views expressed by guests are their own, and their appearance on the program does not imply an endorsement of them or any entity they represent. Thank you.